1: Someday Island is this place far off where yeah I'll take my kids there someday. Yeah, I'm going to write that book someday. Yeah, I'm going to lose weight someday. We put these things over on Someday Island and That's where they stay forever. There's no boat that takes you over to Someday Island and all of a sudden picks up all the stuff that you left over there. We just keep putting it off. And so I used to be a Someday Island kind of person. And now I believe in the power of now. If it's an idea, if it's a thought, if it's a dream, if it's a vision, if it falls in line with your core values, and it's something that you really want, then the time is now, the time is right. If you can see it, and there's really a lot of depth to what I'm about to say, if you can see it, then the time is right.
0: Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. This show is all about insights and explores how transformational moments of awakening have helped propel the lives and careers of remarkably successful people. These major breakthroughs teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. On this show, I interview Glenn Lundy, CEO of the 800 Club and host of the Rise and Grind morning show. From behind bars and homeless, Glenn managed to rise out of the depths of despair and is now making a massive impact on the world. His roots are in the automotive business where he has over 20 years of experience. One of his many claims to fame is helping a small dealership achieve 800% growth in just five years. After leaving the grind of the auto biz, he found that he couldn't escape the industry altogether and has since helped over 40 dealerships nationwide reach unprecedented growth. Glenn is well known for a lot, but perhaps his highest profile offering is his wildly popular daily morning show, Rise and Grind. With over 600 episodes in less than two years, his show is filled with motivation, education, and inspiration, helping his listeners and viewers kick their day off right. On this episode, we get personal and deep. He shares how his early life was filled with crazy times and a whole lot of failure, admitting that he even failed at taking his own life. He describes how he was able to pivot from this rock bottom moment and evolve into the person he is today. We learn why some people are stuck on Someday Island, how we could change our frequency from negative to positive, and why we should focus on raising our standard of average. We also dive deep into his five steps to create a morning routine that will absolutely change your life. This one is full of life-changing insights, and I'm so excited to share them with you on this episode of Inside Out. Glenn Lundy, welcome to Inside Out. Yes, I'm so happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yes, yes. Well, first question: How does a guy from Arizona become a Raiders fan? Like, tell me how that happens,
1: dude. Well, first of all, we're, you know we're we're a little bit older now, so. Back when I was a kid, there was no Arizona Cardinals. We didn't have any professional sports team. We had, you know, the Phoenix Suns. But as far as the NFL, we didn't have any. (laughs) And so you had two choices. If you lived on the west coast of the country, you were either a Raiders fan or a Niners fan. Those were your two choices. Back then, I thought I was a gangster and... I didn't want to wear anything red because that was bloods and I was a Crip and all that stuff. And so I went with the Raiders because I couldn't wear red and be a Niners fan. There's no tradition, no nothing. It just happened to be the time and the location, and it stuck with me.
0: And I love how you left out the Rams nicely done. I would completely leave out the Rams in St. Louis back then. Come on, man. When we were kids and we're the same age, we were little kids, though, they were out here. They were out here. They were. Trust me because I could I could choose between the Rams the Rams and the the rant the Lambs we called them. <laughs> the Lambs. and I chose the Raiders because I was from L.A. I'm not like a football guy. If I'm gonna pick a team, it's the Raiders. It's always been the That's Raiders. Right. Nice. And I and so I'm I'm L.A. all like I'm a Lakers, Dodgers, Raiders, and obviously they're going to Vegas, but I still hold on to being a Raiders fan. So when I saw you're a Raiders fan, I love that. I, that was one of the first things I saw when I first found you. <laughs> and you have seven kids, man. So we could talk about that. One of your kids named Oakland. Did I hear that right? Or yeah, you dude that?
1: my my daughter's name is Oakland. With like L-Y-N-N, Oakland, but it's because of the Oakland Raiders, hands down. Like one of the biggest closes I ever did in my life was get to to get my wife to agree to Oakland as the name of my daughter. (laughs) But it took us seven kids when she was out of names. And I was like,
0: (laughs) I got a good one. (laughs) <laughs> that was your strategy. Just I keep having kids Ooh, until finally you get right, to name one dude. of them Oakland. And I like the Oakland. That's that's a nice that's yeah. a nice touch.
1: My son's middle name is Bryant, so I have mm-hmm. Joel Bryant from my boy Kobe out there as a Lakers fan. And then my son Fisher is off of Derek Fisher from the okay. Lakers. My wife's once we got married, my wife's initials are L A L. Leslie and Lundy. So I've got LAL for Los Angeles Lakers. I got Kobe in there. I got Derek in there and I got Oakland in there. So I got all my faves dude from LA.
0: Okay. Yeah. You got a lot of LA love going on. (laughs) I know you lived in Long Beach for a bit and I know you've, you've been throughout California. Have you spent much time where in LA have you been aside from, from Long Beach?
1: Pretty much just, so I was in Long Beach for a little while and then I started working my way South from there. So I went from Long Beach down to Tustin, I was I was down in Tustin, California, a little bit in Orange County, and then made my way over to San Diego, and that's uh, that was my that was my tour, my California tour went from Long Beach yeah. to Tustin to San Diego.
0: Man, fantastic! Well, I definitely feel there's so many common bonds here. One of them is your everything that you've done in the sales arena, which we're going to get into that. But before we do, another commonality is you had a Mustang. I've had a few Mustangs. You tell a story in the beginning of your book. I mean, it's just hits you at the heart, man. It hits you in the gut when you packed up your Mustang and you went out to La Jolla. And this is kind of a dark time for you, but I this show is all about insights. It's about how we look at life-changing moments, those moments in time where we have a a sudden awakening, an aha moment or an insight that changes the trajectory of our lives. Can you give us a flavor of what happened, how your life made a massive pivot from where you were? Um, And maybe you could describe a little bit about where you were, but I'll also describe how you made that pivot.
1: Yeah, man. So I was like, you know, I spent the first season of my life living what I call like a 2D life. So it was it was mind and body, right? If it looked good and it felt good, I was all about it. And I didn't have any real moral Standings. It didn't matter who got in the way or who I took advantage of or what bridges I burned. And obviously you can only live that lifestyle for a little while before, you know, you end up packing up your car, running as far as you can. And so, you know, I packed up my, I ended up losing the catalyst for me moving from Flagstaff, Arizona, where I spent the majority of my, you know, I spent 23 years there from like age five to 26. So however many years that is 21 years, something like that. The catalyst for me moving was I lost custody of my daughter. So I had a six year old little girl and making poor choices for years. And her mom was like, I am not going to let my daughter be around this dude. And so I lost custody of her. And I was like, screw that. I'm out of here. And so I hit the road. I had this brilliant idea that I was going to be a professional gambler. I was just going to live it up in Vegas, play poker 12, 14 hours a day. And I just had it all mapped out. It was brilliant strategy. I was going to be a professional gambler the rest of my life. That lasted, you know, days before I was completely broke, sitting in that Mustang in a parking lot. And luckily, I had some connections over in, in California, went that way to California, Burned a couple bridges there because I still was a jacked up, you know, I was just a jacked up dude. And long story short, after enough poor decisions and enough bridges burned, I found myself homeless on the streets of San Diego. And every day was the same. I started each day. I I would ride the city bus at night because it was safe. So I would get on the bus and ride it throughout the night. And then in the morning, they'd go to the bus depot, they'd let me out there. And then I would spend the day like scrapping up change so I could get something to eat and then some more change so I could get back on the bus again that next night. And days just kept rolling. There there was, and so I kind of, I lost hope. It was like groundhog day every, every day over Mm. and over. So I, I lost hope for anything to look better, you know, going forward. The worst part, of homelessness, a lot of people think it's hungry, broke, dirty, no shelter. Like they think, you know, when you think homeless, you think of those things, but really the worst part of homelessness is you become invisible, man. Like Mm. people will not make eye contact with you. It's like, they look right through you. If they do, it's, it's tough. And I get it, right? Like people think maybe you're going to mug them or they think that you're going to ask them for money or whatever. And so you just kind of disappear. So here I am in San Diego and there's wealth and it's beautiful. And there's people holding hands and running down the beaches and all the pictures of you could have of California that's going on all around me, wealth and abundance. And here I am in this pit where I'm just invisible. It's like, I don't even exist, man. And so that took me to a very depressed uh, place. And so I decided I didn't want to do this anymore. And the only way out was to take my own life. And the reason I went to uh, up to La Jolla, the actual beach there in La Jolla, is when I was 18 years old, this lady, Miss Johnson, she was my English teacher in high school. And in high school, I taught juniors. In my junior year and my senior year, my teacher let me teach the freshman and sophomore because I was a really good writer. I was really good at English and she knew she couldn't challenge me with the curriculum. So she challenged me by having me teach the other kids. And I loved this teacher, man. And she took me on a retreat. It was the first time I ever saw the ocean was I was 18 years old. She took me Mm -hmm. to on a retreat to La Jolla, California. We stayed in a little church right there on the cliffs and it was just the most beautiful, crazy place. Like my mind was just exploded the first time I ever saw, uh, uh, you know, that experience. So here I was at the, my worst. And I was like, well, you know what, if I'm going to go out, that's where I want to go out. It's the most beautiful place that I could imagine. And so I went to La Jolla and I just figured if I swam out far enough, I wouldn't be able to swim back because I'm not a good swimmer. And that's what I did. So I swam out and was very content and comfortable with the idea that this was going to be my last moment on this planet. And, and right when I thought it was it, I went under and, and, and my feet hit the ground and uh, I kind of woke, you know, popped out of the water with a start and was like, what the heck? And the tide had pushed me back in onto the shore. And so I couldn't even swim out. I wasn't strong enough to swim out past that. And so in that moment, as I laid on the beach, Alone in the most beautiful place on the planet, a failure at everything, including taking my own life. I had some revelations, man. And some people call it God, or you you know, I don't know if I wouldn't say if I heard a voice or a thought or a tug or whatever. I just know that as I laid there looking up at the stars and saw how big and magnificent the universe was, there was a switch in me that made me realize one the universe is big and filled with uh, with opportunity two my problems are much smaller than i really thought they were in comparison to the expansion of the universe and three i realized that in every situation that i had thought i was a victim there was one constant and that's that i was always there didn't matter what city I lived in, didn't matter who I was around. I was the constant in every bad situation in my life. And that caused me to go, okay, well, wait a minute. If I'm responsible for everything bad, then maybe just maybe I can be responsible for everything good and no longer be a victim and I can actually take control of my life. And so that was kind of a shift point. I'd like to say everything was dory after that, you know, but that's not how (laughs) I'm stubborn sometimes, you know? And so there was still a long season of mistakes that, that, that followed that particular moment. That was a moment for me. You know, that was, it was like, Hey dude, you're not getting out of this thing easily and there's more to life than just mind and body. And you need to go figure this thing out.
0: Mm. So powerful. Well, thank you so much for sharing. For my audience, I know a lot of people have heard and you're, you're not afraid to share. As I said, you open up your book talking about everything that happened. And you talk about your family members flashing into your mind and all these people throughout your life. And as you've just said, the one common denominator was you. And it's a powerful recognition that you have in this, let's face it, rock bottom moment That you're right, it's not going to be a light switch where the next day everything is completely different, but it did set the the course. It it was a pivot point. And I I really love dissecting and understanding those pivot points in our lives. So, one of the biggest things that you're known for is rise and grind, right? It's getting up and not just getting up early, sick, but it's getting up and, and having a very specific schedule where you go to sleep and where you go to bed. And that's one of the first things you talk about in your book. Before we get into that, I want to talk about just the concept, generally speaking, of grind. What does it mean to you to grind? Give us a flavor of why that's something that's important.
1: Yeah, so to grind, to me, you know, a lot of times people think grind, they think like sweat pouring off your forehead and like busting your knuckles and, you know, that type of thing. And that's, that's not my definition. To me, it's a daily repetitive action that ultimately... Draws you towards a result. That to me is like the actual definition of grind daily repetitive actions drawing you towards whatever that result is. Whatever, if it's a fitness goal for you, a spiritual goal, a career goal, a financial goal, well, then let's daily do repetitive actions that are going to move us in that specific direction. That's the definition of grind to me.
0: And I love the distinction that you made there because I think often people think grind and it's just pure works for work's sake and nothing wrong with hard work. I'm a huge believer in it, but what you're talking about are habits and consistency and doing something over and over on a daily basis, much like you do your show on a daily basis. When did you have that realization that that's what grind was? And give us the sort of the formation of your thinking. I know you're, one of the things that you, have bleeds through everything that you do is your core values. So maybe if you could talk a little bit, you have four core values that you follow. Maybe you could talk a little bit about those core values, but also talk about the evolution of how you got to where you're at today and having Rise and Grind be a daily part of your own routine, which is, it's kind of meta, right? It's you <laughs> believe in this and then you're actually doing it. So love it.
1: It all evolves. Everything's always evolving to the next. And so after that pivot point in my life, I just started Really stacking behaviors, thought patterns, and activities and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Right. Mm. And so with enlightenment, you start to realize, okay, I've got to go learn, right? I became a student in that moment. And I had to learn more about why some people are successful and other people aren't, why some people have a purposeful life and other people don't. And, 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 and as I went down that journey, I started to learn about, uh, get a spiritual understanding and realize that, you know, I call it now my 3d life before I was living a 2d mind and body. Now it's mind, body, spirit, right? And, and once you start to get those things aligned, so, it really just evolved over time. As I started studying successful people, I noticed that they had successful habits. And so I started trying some of those successful habits and some worked for me and some didn't work for me. You know, everybody's a little bit different, but what was consistent is that all successful people have routines. They have successful habits, especially first thing in the morning. I shouldn't say first thing in the morning, first thing when they wake up, mm-hmm. there's a distinction there too. Cause some people think, you know, you got to wake up at 3:50 in the morning, like this guy right here, I get up at 3:50, but really I get up at 3:50 because I have a show to do at five 30 and I got kids and all that. And that's the only space I can find for me. If I didn't have to, I'd probably wake up a little bit later, you know, but
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you how, what time do you wake up on the weekend when you don't have the, the
1: show? Uh, sometimes I'll sleep an extra sleep cycle or two on the, on the, on the weekends. Um, okay. And we'll we can talk about sleep cycles here in a minute. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to. It's on the yeah, list. Yeah. I keep sure.
1: everything in in sleep cycles, so it just depends. Saturdays, I'll I'll usually sleep one extra sleep cycle. Sundays, I'll still wake up at at three fifty, um, so I can attack the day. But so as I'm trying all these different layers and I'm figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And again, I think one key thing that that we have to make sure people don't miss is it's a daily repetitive action that drives you towards a result. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of people get into daily repetitive actions, but they don't take them anywhere. They call that the hamster wheel, right? You see people on it, like, okay, I went to work and I filed my papers and I sat at my desk and I did it for 25 years, got my retirement, my gold watch, and I'm living off 1600 bucks a month in social security. And my life is miserable. A lot of people do that. That was a consistent daily repetitive action, but it didn't drive them towards their goals. And that's what I started to see. I'm like, okay, well, I can do this action, but I'm not getting a result that I want that like makes me feel purposeful and that's moving my life forward. So maybe I need to tweak that. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to enhance that. Maybe working out 20 minutes a day isn't going to get me where I want fitness wise. So I got to go to 30, be nice. Other people could do 20. Everybody's a little bit different. And so- as I tried all those things, I started stacking and stacking and and really for me, for my chemistry, my spirituality, my belief systems, and my lifestyle, all of those things. What works for me is these these four core words, values, however you want to, you know, I call them core values. Some people maybe say they're not values. I don't know. But for me, my four words are rise, evolve, impact together. That's what makes me tick. So every single day I rise with intention and purpose so that I can evolve into the absolute best version of myself that I can possibly be. Therefore, I can now go out and make an impact in other people's lives. And the best part is I get to do it together with other superhumans like yourself and other, you know, and other people. So all the decisions that I make, all my routines, all my habits, all my patterns fall into those four key things. And that helps me say no to so many things, which is Mm. what I didn't have in my life before. You know, hey, Glenn, you want to go to Vegas and we can get high and chase a bunch of girls and party till you know six in the morning? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Now I'd be like, no, dude, that would totally affect my rise tomorrow. I can't, I cannot rise with intention and purpose if I'm out chasing girls, doing drugs and drinking all night, right? So it's that shift. You know, when people come to me with business ideas or business opportunities, I look at those things. I'm like, well, does that, if, if if i if it, if i can rise with intention and purpose if it's an evolution for myself and the other parties involved if it's impacting people's lives in a positive way and it's something that we can do together i say yes every time like every time it just makes it an easy yes you know but if it doesn't if it misaligns with those things it's an easy no so that's helped me really getting those core values down, getting those habits in place that work for me has helped me to be able to, to to really level up in a lot of different areas, you know, with my family, with with my finances, with my fitness, with my my career, all of those things.
0: Huge effects across the board. It's so cool, man, because your story is amazing. Where you have this automotive side of your background and and the being the car guy, right? And you, you broke, you break this down, you know, you've had different stages of your life and where you've been described in certain ways and the car, you were given this sort of car guy moniker because you absolutely crushed it with your dealership and you had 800% growth over a 5-year period went from, you know, about 100 cars a month to over 1000 cars in a month. And then I think what was in 2018 you you left your corporate job where you had a ton of success, you walked away to do what you're doing now and you're impacting thousands of people's lives. I'm curious though, as you look at the journey that you had in the automotive space and now you have, you know, your core values when did you establish those? And was it as you built your business out? Was it was that what was part of your automotive success? Talk a little bit about that part of your journey and what led up to you really walking away from a comfortable lifestyle, making great money to doing what you're doing now, which is, again, it's just impacting so many people because of the voice and because of the the, the platform that you have.
1: Yeah, I think the the Rise, Evolve, Impact Together I was doing those actions in the car business. I just hadn't necessarily like defined why it was working so well for me because I was teaching my guys. That were, you know, morning routines are super important. Self-development, how we rise every day, the decisions we make the night before. I was teaching those, those guys that. And I all of my focus and intention was in, in evolving my, my people to just the next level, whether it be promotions in their career or with their families, so on and so forth. I cared so deeply about their uh, ascension man. And, Mm. and, and I wanted to have an impact on them, but I wanted them to have impacts on, on other people's lives. And we did everything together, like literally everything. Right. So in doing so, we were able to take this culture, this dealership and grow it, you know, in a tiny little town, small little town, population 9,600. And we were able to grow it to the second largest used car franchise dealership in the country by really just implementing this mindset into everybody and so we were doing it and we were crushing it and all that was cool and then just felt a a tug there was a season and some things changed a little bit and it was like okay that that chapter is done we've done everything we can in this particular like bubble now it's time to expand the bubble how do we expand the bubble so we can reach more people and so when i made that decision in october of 2018 To walk away from that very, very, very comfortable lifestyle. I mean, I was the general manager, large dealership. I could come and go as I pleased. I was the face of the dealership. I had job security. I could stay there forever. They had already told me they want me to retire with them. It was a very comfortable position to be in. But when I chose to walk away, that's when I really had to go, okay, so now I'm building Glenn's business. Before I was building the owner's business. Which was awesome. I'm so thankful for that season. Now we're building Glenn's business. So what about the experiences we've had over not just the last, you know, seven years at the dealership, but your our life all together? What have we learned in life? What's worked? What doesn't work? What resonates, what doesn't resonate? And then then let's map that out and let's build a business around that. Right. And so that's what we've been able to do since October of 2018 is just literally building everything we do around those four words. And now I'm still, I work with more people in automotive now than I did before. Like (laughs) I tried to run from automotive. I tried to, I was like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm no longer the car guy, but that's one of my gifts. It's something that, that God gave me. So now I'm helping owners and general managers of dealerships, rise, evolve and impact and bring their teams together. And now I'm working with 41 different dealerships across the country and we're getting similar results that we got at my store, but now it's impacting thousands Mm. more, you know, across, across the industry. It's super, super cool, man. Super cool. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're able to have a much broader impact and you know, you went from stacking poker chips to stacking habits, yeah, right? right? And and even though you may not have defined the core values, you were living the core values. And so that informed really the identity of your business and the purpose behind which you take action on a daily basis with anyone that, that observes you or listens to you or watches you. They see that through your commitment to doing things all according to these core values. So, I want to talk about your live show because that really is, it's truly amazing to look at what you've accomplished. Today you recorded, you told me the number and I've already forgotten it, but what number episode was this today? 680. 680. (laughs) 680 live shows. And I'm just like, man, that's incredible. So Talk to me a little bit about the, when did you say, okay, I want to do a live show. And then when did you say, I want to do it every day? And then when did you say, I want to do it every day at 530? <laughs> like walk me through how that happened and, and how it's been going, man. 680 episodes, that's no joke.
1: Yeah, man. So it, it really started as I was starting to build some, with our success in the dealership, I was starting to really, as the face of the dealership and having a lot of tremendous, like success people had never seen before in automotive, I started to get a lot of attention. We started to get a lot of social media followers. You know, people were reaching out, asking lots of questions, so on and so forth. And so I started really pouring into the social media side of things because it was helping me attract more great people to my team. It was helping attract more customers to the dealership. Like it was helping us win. So I'm like, all right, we can do this, right? As that continued to grow, I reached one point. I remember I was like flipping through social and there was so much negativity. And I was like, all right, dude, there's like, everything is negative on here. Social media is a tool for business growth. So how can we create an environment for motivation, education, and inspiration to kind of break through some of this negativity? So we're, we're, we're doing a service in that sense. And at the same time, we're building our brand in solidifying the brand, you know, as a, as a dealership. So as my mind started to go there, then my past understanding of successful habits and how the first part of people's day affects their psychology, I thought, well, from a marketing standpoint, what better time to tap in than first thing in the morning, right? Like Mm -hmm, that's the mm -hmm. best time to tap in into the mind. And that's also when we can get the best results. So I'm thinking about it from effective marketing. I'm thinking about it from what I know about psychology and people's habits. And I'm thinking about a problem. There's a problem. There's, There's too much negativity. So together, I'm like, okay, let's create a space. Let's attack first thing in the morning because we can really move people. We can motivate people. If we can inject some positivity into their day, it's going to make an impact in their life, which is what we want to do. And we can also inject some branding, right? We can do a little branding, right? And so so I thought, okay, we got to do mornings. And then the aspect of me where I used to be homeless and I felt invisible, that aspect of me, I was like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we need to be consistent on when we do it So people know what to expect and we need to do it like every single day, at least through the week. That way, if there's somebody out there like me that feels invisible or that doesn't, you know, doesn't feel value or worth or don't feel like they're a part of something that that at least they can say, okay, well, Glenna be live at, 5 30 in the morning on Wednesday, and he's going to say my name. If I go in there, he'll say my name. Right. And so I try Mm. every show to say good morning to as many names as I see on the live feed because I want people to. I
0: like it too. You got music going in the background too, man. I love that. Because I want people to feel seen.
1: (laughs) I want people to know I see you. I appreciate you. You have value. Right. So I'm pulling from all of my deepest, darkest pits. I'm also pulling from my business strategies. And then I'm pulling from my mission to, to, to to really move people forward. And so by pulling all those together, I was like, okay, it's gotta be daily. It's gotta be first thing in the morning. And it's gotta be nothing but motivation, education, and inspiration. It can never be any of the other stuff. No politics, no, no bad news, no any of that. And so then I was like, okay, so let's do it at 7am was my first thought, right? 7am would be great. Then I'm like, I have to tell you, my kids are up at seven. My phone's already blowing up from work. I'm already getting emails and text messages. Like things could get in the way at seven. Sometimes I have a meet, like a breakfast meeting. So then I was like, all right, let's do like 630. Let's, maybe we could do 630. <laughs> and then I was like, well, you can't do 630 because you get your workout. And then you got to have time to get in the shower. And you got to have time to get to work. And so that could get in the way. And so we just kept backing it down and it turned out 5.30 a.m. was a time that I could guarantee I would never have an appointment, a meeting. There's nowhere I I have to be ever at 5.30 a.m. And it still gives me time to do the things I need to do for myself in the morning as far as working out and uh, time with my family and so on and so forth. So we locked in at 530, man. And my wife still gives me grief today. She's like, you're the only entrepreneur in the world that has to be at work at 5 a.m. Like by choice, you chose, (laughs) you could have chose any time and you chose 5 a.m. And I'm like, yeah, but it it works. And, And so we've been doing it and man, it's crazy how life changing making a decision to show up. It's completely changed my life. It changes every decision that I make at night. It changes, it changes everything, dude. Like it's been empowered. Like it's empowered a lot of people. It's affected a lot of people. It's impacted so many people, man, so many people. But the biggest impact has been on me. I have evolved Mm. massively over the last two and a half years since I started going live at 5 30 AM, man. A friend of mine told me once she, she held up her phone like this and you can't see me on the podcast, but I got my arm out and the phone pointed up and I'm looking up at it and you know, your typical selfie position. And she said, when you go live, you hold it like that. And she said, what does that look like? And I was like, what do you mean? She said, have you ever seen a woman with a compact, like fixing her makeup? She Holds her arm the exact same, you know, it's like the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, Yeah. She said, The thing that scares people about going live is you have to look at yourself the whole time and you actually see the words that are coming out of your mouth. And that process is scary because a lot of people don't really want to see who they truly are. And I was like, that's powerful. And I've seen that with me. As I look at myself every morning, as the words come out, I'm like, am I, are my actions in line with my words? Are the things that I'm saying and that I'm telling and asking and encouraging people to do, am I doing those things in my own life? And those questions have caused me to like ramp it up, ramp it up, ramp it up, dude, because I want to make sure I can back up. I want to be able to look myself in the mirror every single day.
0: For sure. And talk about a self-awareness exercise that just keeps on giving. One of the quotes that I heard you say, you say, you go live every day and become the person you want people to see. I just love that because you are looking at yourself and you are putting out into the universe... Whatever it is, whoever it is that that you're projecting out there, you you want that to be the person you want others to see in you, mm-hmm. and it's clearly working. You have over thirty thousand people in your Facebook group, and you have a, a daily audience that's watching you, that's rising with you every single day, yeah. and you've you've through your consistency and through your motivation and through your inspiration and through your education, you're able to help people. And as you've said, it's nothing more rewarding than the impact that it has on yourself. But in the process, you're rewarding so many other people. And there's a few terms that you use that I want to, I'm just going to throw a word out there or a phrase and I want you to tell me what it means. The first one is, why are people stuck on Someday Island?
1: <laughs> Someday Island, right? Like there's this thing called, the, you know, the, it's, it's the power of now, right? Doing, doing these things now. And I discovered this power a long time ago, right? Like if you're going to take an action, it's best to do it now, right? Otherwise, we put these things off on Someday Island, you know? And, and Someday Island is this place far off, where yeah i'll take my kids there someday yeah i'm gonna write that book someday yeah i'm gonna lose weight someday you know we put these things over on someday island and that's where they stay forever. You never, Mm -hmm. there's there's no way to, there's no boat that takes you over to Someday Island and all of a sudden picks up all the stuff that you left (laughs) over there. We just keep putting it off. And so I used to be a Someday Island kind of person. And now I believe in the power of now. If it's an idea, if it's a thought, if it's a dream, if it's a vision, if it falls in line with your core values and it's something that you really want, then the time is is now the time is right if you can see it and and there's really a lot of depth to what I'm about to say if you can see it then the time is right and here's what I mean by that i've started to learn as you start to go up levels like it's like a mountain range dude you climb to a top of one peak and then you're like, oh my gosh, there's this whole other peak over there. I didn't even know that was over there, right? Like you couldn't even see it. You didn't even know it existed. You, you eat certain financial levels and you're like, holy smoke, right? Like I, there's these two guys I hang out with now. These guys, my buddy, Judge Graham sold his business for $550 million. I'm like, what? He's 41 years old. I grew up in automotive in the automotive industry. If you had a dealership that was worth like 30 million, you were balling, right? Right. This guy sells his thing for 550 million at 41 years old. And so there's just these, these levels that you keep going through. And, and the way the universe works is that if your perception your giftedness, your experiences, have you brought you to the top of that mountain where you can now see that next peak? Then the time is right, for the time is now for you to go after that. And don't be mm. like, oh, I'm not ready for that. Yes, you are. Trust me, if you weren't ready, you wouldn't even be able to see it. You wouldn't even know that it existed. So yeah, Someday Island, man, is just that, that, that place that people need to quit putting stuff over there and need to start acting now on their dreams, their visions, and their goals.
0: Yeah. Nobody wants to be deserted on that island. Right. And you, you've touched on some really important points that that remind us of this fact. Another concept is this concept of the standard of average. And st- and, and you talk a lot about the standard of average mm. that, that people find themselves in or that we look at when we compare ourselves. Talk a little bit about why that's important. Maybe that how you've applied it in the automotive business or just how you've applied it in life.
1: Yeah. Another powerful concept, man. So all living organisms all of them they have a safety feature there's there, there's there's security features in us to where ultimately it becomes dangerous for you to stand out right? So a lot of people don't know this, you know, lions, right? People are like, I'm a lion. I'm the lion, right? I want to be a lion. Well, if you actually look at a lion's pride, the alpha lion usually has the shortest lifespan. He's got a great life. He's got all the ladies and he gets to, you know, he gets to do all the thing, but here's the thing, dude, he's under attack always. He has to fight, right? He has to do all of those things. And so, that lion is in the most dangerous position and therefore ultimately typically has the shortest lifespan. They break a bone they while they're fighting, whatever, things like that. So a lot of people don't realize that, right? So standing out is dangerous. You'll see the same things with elephants, big, massive animals, right? They're strong. What do they do? They hang out in a big old pack, right? Because they realize for an elephant to be out on its own is a dangerous position to be in. So you see it in lions, you see it in elephants, you also see it in humans. When a human stands out from the rest of the pack, it's a dangerous position to be in, right? They're under fire. You see it with Elon Musk. You see it with Trump. You see it with Bill Gates. You see it with Bezos. You see it with uh, any of the big celebrities, right? Anybody that really stands out at a high level comes under massive scrutiny, are always under attack. Imagine being Zuckerberg, dude. You're Zuckerberg. You started this thing hot or not, right? You just, you were just like, are the girls hot or are they not? And then fast forward a few years and you're in front of the Supreme Court and they're like interrogating you on the responsibility that you now have as a global figure to to make sure your securities and privacies on your network are there. Like, wow. Are you kidding me? What? I mean, it's just nonsense, like under complete fire. When you reach these high levels, I can't even imagine the pressure that's on that guy. Right. Mm. And so what ends up happening is we have this standard of average. That is, that becomes the safe zone. This is the safe place. They call it, some people call it the middle class, right? Middle class, like 80% of Americans will fall in this safe zone, right? Okay. Where do you you don't want to fall below it? Because if you fall below the standard of average, now you're impoverished, you're poor, you're homeless, you're broke. There's violence. You can get killed. You're living in ghettos or hoods. You're in bad neighborhoods, bad environments around bad people, not safe. If you climb out the top, you're under attack and scrutiny from news media and all the not safe. So where do we do? We settle right here in the middle in that standard of average that's where most people end up that's why that's 80 percent of our population because it's safe and people don't even realize this but they'll limit their capabilities to stay in that safe zone right and they'll do just enough to survive to stay in that safe zone so knowing that knowing that that's how we are naturally inclined is to fall into that safe zone Instead of what I do like with businesses, when I'm working with the dealerships and what we did at our dealership and what I try to make people understand is instead of expecting everyone to be a top performer or wanting everyone to be a top performer, instead understand that being a top performer is not safe and it's not natural. So what we have to do is we have to raise the standard of average Mm -hmm. to where it now becomes safe. To perform at a higher level than previously before so to give you a mathematical example across the board across the nation in the auto industry it is average the average salesperson will sell one car every three days they're at work right so it's 10 cars a month that's the national average someone sometime a long time ago told us that that's what your salespeople can do. If you want to sell 100 cars, you got to have 10 salespeople. If you want to sell 150 cars, you got to have 15, right? Somebody told us that somewhere. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. But that's what they told them. And so most dealerships operate amongst that standard of average. What I do is I go in and I go, okay, we're going to raise that up to where now 15 is going to be our standard of average. And we're going to do everything we can to support that, to make sure our people can sell 15 cards. However, there's going to be an understanding that for you to fall below that is not safe. It's Mm. no longer safe for you. 12 is no longer safe. It used to be when when 10 was the bar, but now the bar is 15. So we raise (laughs) that standard of average, which also raises the responsibilities of the leaders, to make sure that they train more effectively, to make sure that they advertise correctly. Like the standard goes across the board. It's not just on the sales guy, right? And so we raised that to 15 and now what ends up happening is miraculous. Now, all of a sudden, your guy that could never sell more than 10, all of a sudden he's a 14, 15 car a month guy, right? And it just happens magically. So at my dealership, our standard of
0: average was everyone sells a car every day you're at work. I love it. And it's just, it, it's amazing how when we shift the bar, when we shift what we think is possible, we can actually change what's possible, it. right? We it, it's just like it's the 4 minute mile but applied to business, exactly applied right. to automotive. I love your book. I love the concepts you lay out in The Morning 5, right? And so you break it down, you know, starts with not not hitting the snooze button and you have five basically building blocks that help create a morning routine that allows people and you or your own test subject allows you to thrive and and I really loved your thoughts on why you here don't hit the snooze button but like why you shouldn't hear hit the snooze button right are you here don't touch your phone but why you should like the 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 actual reason why behind it I wonder if you could give us a, a bit of a flavor of what these building blocks are and why they're so important but,
1: yeah sure man so I believe there's five simple steps to an extraordinary life. Right. Five simple steps. If you do these five simple things first thing in the morning, every single day, I promise you it will transform your life. Guaranteed. hundred percent. Not my opinion. There's scientific, uh, scientific basis behind it all. And I now have thousands of testimonials worldwide. You know, the people that. That's saying something, man. Thousands. thousands, Literally thousands of people whose lives have been transformed by, by five simple steps. So step one is do not hit the snooze button. And like you said, there's there's reasons behind that. So scientifically, what happens is we sleep in these cycles, right? Back in the day, a long time ago, before you had ADT security systems and cameras everywhere where you can watch your dog play all day when you should be working, by the way. Yep. I see y'all looking at your dogs, right? Back in the day before you had all of that stuff, it was not smart, for you to go into a semi coma for an eight hour stretch of time. Like that's not a safe idea when you're out in the wilderness or in a cabin back in the 1700s or whatever, right? It just wasn't safe. And so for all of time, we have evolved to sleep in cycles. We start in a very light sleep We go down into a deep sleep, which you guys know as REM, and then we come back into another light sleep. So most people think that that happens over a period of eight hours, but that's not the case. Most people have anywhere from, depending on how much you sleep, most people have anywhere from three to four of these cycles a night. Each cycle lasts roughly two to three hours for every human. It varies just a little bit depending on what you eat and what you consume content-wise for your mind before you go to bed, all of those things affect that but two to three hours is the average. So what happens is as we put routines in place, cause we are by nature, we're habitual people. We do, we do things in habits. So whatever habits you've kind of created, your sleep cycles in your mind starts to understand when you lay down and go to bed, you're going to usually rest for this amount of time. Your sleep cycles sort of adjust and it's actually prepared at the time you go to wake up that you set your alarm for. It's prepared to wake up at that time, right? So here I am, I'm in a very lightest stage of sleep, I'm in the light, I'm aware, I'm nearly aware, the alarm goes off, I pop up awake, like I'm supposed to, my mind's like yep, good job, and then I reach over and I hit the snooze button, and when I hit the snooze button, what immediately happens is my mind goes into the, and body, goes into the next sleep cycle, which is going to last how long? two to three hours so the snooze button is the it's like the biggest con artist on the planet it's like hey dude come get 10 more minutes more sleep you'll feel better right (laughs) hey come on man i'll sell you 10 minutes of sleep for whatever you know (laughs) but in reality what it's going to give you is two to three hours of a lethargic period you're going to actually mm. feel more tired than you would have if you just would have gotten up. You're trading two to three hours of le- lethargy, I guess is how you use it, lethargy. You're trading two to three hours of, of, of not feeling great for that extra 10 minutes of sleep. So step one, super important. Plus there's other benefits too. you know, you get a win first thing in the morning. That's always good for the mind you know, all of those things. So there's lots of them. But the main main thing is if you press the snooze button, you are literally sending yourself into another sleep cycle. And so I live and die by my sleep cycles, man. My sleep cycle is Mm. two hours and 10 minutes. That's how long it takes me to go from light to REM and back. I've figured that out over time. It I had to tweak some things and use, you know, they've got smartwatches and apps that can help you. And then you tweak and so on and so forth. But you when you find it, When you wake up, by the time your feet hit the floor and you start walking, you're fully alert, dude. That's how you know you're in the sweet spot. Like you're Mm -hmm. fully, fully alert. And so my sleep cycle is two hours and 10 minutes. I usually do two sleep cycles a night. So I'll go to bed at 1130 and then I wake up at 350. And when I say I go to bed at 1130, I mean at 1129, I'm awake at 1130. I'm asleep. I don't go lay down and watch TV at 1130. I'm asleep at 1130 and then don't try to wake me up because it ain't going to happen until 3:50. I'm in a coma. Right. But I'll adjust that if I'm in a different time zone, if I've got appointments, if I'm traveling, I'm speaking on stages or so on and so forth. Sometimes I'll actually stay up later to make sure, you know, say I got my show, say I'm in California. I got to do my show at 2:30 AM instead of five 30 AM. But I also have to have a dinner with a good client or so on and so forth. So I can't get to bed at like enough time to give me four hours and 20 minutes of sleep. So instead I'll stay up maybe an extra 40 minutes or an extra hour, sleep exactly two hours and 10 minutes, wake up, I'm alert. I can do my show and I can rock and roll on a weekend. I might add a sleep cycle, but if I am going to add a sleep cycle, it's going to be two hours and 10 minutes. I'm not just going to sleep an extra hour because then I'm going to wake up and be tired for the next hour and a half. What good is that? So it becomes a superpower once you really figure it out. But that's the science behind no snooze button. Step two, don't touch your phone first thing in the morning. Dude, there ain't nothing in here that can't wait, first of all. And there ain't nothing in here usually super, super good for you, right? As soon as we go into this thing, you are now handing over your morning to someone else. And that someone else may be someone letting you know that someone died. Maybe someone letting you know that you screwed up on the job. Maybe someone letting you know that a customer's pissed off, left you a bad review, you know, or it's politics or it's news or it's shootings or bombings or who knows, man, this thing delivers the, well, it delivers it all. So if you jump into here first thing in the morning before you've even prepared yourself, did you're just setting yourself up for failure, man? You're going straight into a negative frequency first thing in the morning. Oh, it's hard to recover from that. So hard. So I say step two, don't touch your phone first thing in the morning. It will wait. Your text messages will wait. Your emails will wait. All of that stuff will wait. They were waiting for you to get up anyway, so they can wait a little bit longer. We got to take care of ourselves first. You've all heard the airplane analogy, man. Put the oxygen mask on before you go serving the rest of the world. So that's step two. Step three is gratitude and goals. Writing down the things that you're thankful for and your goals for the day, the week, the month, the year, however you want to set those up, right? Now, a lot of people think that that sounds like two steps. Well, Glenn, gratitude is one, goals is another. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's actually far more effective as one. Many people have probably told you You need to write your goals. You're like, okay, cool. Writing goals can be effective, no doubt about it, 100%. However, what I found in my life and what I've seen from a lot of people is if I just go and sit down and write goals, it can actually have a negative effect on my overall frequency because here I am writing about all of the things that I wish that I had and dwelling on all of the things that I don't have, right? It's like kicking yourself in the butt. Like, I wish I had a bigger house because my house sucks, right? Like, you're, you're doing those things. That's not what we want. We need a positive frequency. So if you start with gratitude first, I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my income. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful. When we start from a place of gratitude, now we start vibrating on a positive frequency, And now we can go into goals. It's okay to stretch. It's okay to want more as long as we're thankful for what we've already been given. Now we can stretch and that's far more powerful, far more powerful energy than going in with an I want, I want, I want, I want. So that's step three. Step four is you got to take care of yourself physically, man. You got one physical body. It's only going to last so long. You got to take care of it. If you can't walk then crawl, if you you know if you can't run then walk, but get moving. We want to get the heart pumping, you want to get the blood flowing. A body in motion tends to stay in motion, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. We want to be a body in motion, moving towards our goals, our dreams, our aspirations. So we start in the morning, get those motions going and get that activity. So those are the first four of the five, super powerful, all very selfish, intentionally. Intentionally selfish, right? You're taking care of you first. Now, once you've done that, dude, you, you don't hit the snooze button. You don't grab your phone. You write down everything you're thankful for. You write down your dreams and your goals. you you're got the body moving. Dude, I'm telling you, your frequency is crazy. But now you have a responsibility to release that energy out into the world to make an impact on somebody else's life. So step five is I need you to send out an encouraging message whether it be just text somebody, hey, just wanted to know, care about you, thinking about you, you're awesome. Or you know, maybe it's your spouse that you haven't said something to in a while. Maybe it's a kid that you can pour into. Maybe it's a coworker, whatever. Maybe it's just somebody on Facebook that you saw was having a down day the day before and you send them a message. I don't care how you release it. Release that energy out into the world to make a positive impact on somebody else's life. Dude, mind blowing what happens. It's mind-blowing how often someone will come back to you and say, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. The timing on that could not have come at a better time. Like it makes my eyes even water just a little bit thinking of some of the messages that I've gotten back from people. It's so uplifting, so empowering. And so those five steps, do those five every single day. And and I challenge people, if you go to themorningfive.com, You can download my book for free there, my ebook that talks about these five steps. And we also do a 67-day challenge where if you do it every day for 67 days, we'll send you a bunch of free stuff, like a bunch of t-shirts, water bottles, all this stuff. Like there's a couple rules you got to post every day and so on and so forth. But it's much harder than people think to do it a a full 67 days. But once you do, so a long time ago, there was a study done that shows that biologically- it takes 67 days for something to become easier to do than to not do. So if you do it for 67 days straight on day 66, it'll be harder to do it than to not do it on day 67. It it'll be harder to not do it than to do it. And that's where a lot of people fall off on trying to create new habits as they try it for four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks. It takes you 67 days to have an actual physical reaction to that new habit. And so I challenge people, go do it for 67 days, and I promise, guaranteed, 100%, it will transform your life.
0: And your frequency. And I love, I mean, the frequency applies to everything. It applies to waking up, uh, not in the middle of a sleep cycle, but at the end of a Mm -hmm. sleep cycle. It has to do with avoiding negative frequencies that you're going to find on your, what I call the distraction monster. That's right. Your phone is just filled with things that are going to pull you away from what your intention is for the day. And- designing your intention. I love the fact that you married those two, which is being grateful for all the things that you have in your life while also stretching yourself, right. right? Not just thinking about what you don't have, but actually thinking about what you do have and getting yourself in the right mindset and right frequency so that you can move beyond that and keep keep adding to your that's wins. It. I love that you're talking about momentum and exercise and how that's such a catalyst for getting the the frequency right as well. And then how do you share the frequency that you've built? It's by being good and sharing with someone else that means something to you and sharing a positive message and talk about the cycle that that creates with them. And hopefully they could pay it forward as well. So Glenn can be found at Glenn with two N's because he's twice as nice. (laughs) Lundy.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-L-U-N-D-Y.com. He has so much to offer. So go there and you'll find a ton of things. He already talked about The Morning Five, which is his book, which really goes into a lot more depth than we were able to cover in this show. But just go get your hands on that. He's giving it away. You could also get an audio version of it. If you're like me and love listening to audiobooks, for for a few bucks, you can have an audio version of it. He's got his 2020 Goalkeeper Masterclass. He's got Rising Grind University. He's got an interactive life planner. I mean, there's just so much that he has to offer. If you haven't yet heard his live show, check it out. It's daily, 5.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You could find it, just hashtag Rise and Grind. You could find it on Facebook and and I'll have you correct anything that I've got wrong here. But as far as other places where you could find him, he is on Twitter. So you could find his Glenn B. Lundy is is the handle at Twitter. And then for Facebook, it's Official Glenn Lundy is where you'll find him on Facebook, on LinkedIn. It's Glenn Lundy. He's on YouTube. You can find hundreds of videos on YouTube. And he's also on Instagram at Glenn underscore lundy.com And I think I maybe mispronounced your name a few times. No, there. no, but, uh, no. You nailed it, man. Uh, okay, okay. Cool. What am I missing, man? There's so much that you're doing. It's like it's just <laughs> incredible. So, so impressive.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, we have uh, officially converted Rise and Grind over to a, a podcast now. As well. So if you don't want to watch live on Facebook, you can download anywhere you can anywhere you want to download podcast. hashtag Rise and Grind with Glenn Lundy. So that that's uh, available. And really the best thing, you know, you mentioned it right at the beginning, Glennlundy.com. It is two ends. We also own the domain with one in just in case people make a mistake. But when you get there, it links to everything. Glennlundy.com will link to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. YouTube, you know, it just links to it all, our our 800% club where we work with dealers, Scale with Speed Automotive Academy that's going on next month. Um, we now have a hashtag Rise and Grind Elite Mastermind group that just launched on August 1st. Uh, that has been incredible already. That's an opportunity for people that have been consuming some of that free content and and really want to to find another you know that next level. They join me in the hashtag Rising Grind Elite Mastermind group. So yeah, lots of lots of fun things, man.
0: You have your hustle and grind conference coming up in in April of next year as well. And Dude, seven
1: kids, keep, and my wife's pregnant.
0: Keep doing it. <laughs> Come on, she is. Yeah, she's working eight. on eight. No. Congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Hey, all right. Keep doing what you're doing. It matters. You're making an impact. So grateful that you are able to be on today's show and share your wisdom and knowledge and insights. Glenn Lundy, thank you for being on Inside Out. Thanks,
1: man. Really enjoyed it. You're a great, 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 great interviewer. Clearly done your research. Clearly listened really, really well. Really enjoyed it, man.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out. <laughs>